You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good evening, everybody. Robert Carrillo here in Metro Vision Studios, Studio A. And I want to welcome you to Midweek. Great to have the family together. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for connecting, even though it's electronic. I appreciate everybody, the efforts that we make to stay connected to God, to each other, even on a screen. But um, I'm excited about tonight's uh, study that we're doing. Uh, we're going to do a special study. Um, the title of it is When Friends Leave the Church. Um, this is a study that uh, has been in the making for about 38 years <laughs> um, because we've all experienced this and we all go through this and and it's something that I just thought might be really helpful for us to do a little Bible study on it. Um, of course, the region here went through a major challenge a couple of years ago and anybody who's been around very long, you've seen friends leave and 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 um and we all know how painful that is and sometimes it's just really confusing of what do we do you know um and and i've seen sometimes we oversimplify the answer to that and and people can get hurt and things can get even worse or people just don't talk about it and so everybody's walking around with this weird feeling of i don't know what to do about this situation or i don't know what to do with my friend or i don't know what to do with this group or or what's coming up so it's one of those things that at some point we have to sit down and do a good Bible study to make sure that we are being in step with the Spirit and doing God's will. And and this is a tough one, to be honest. It's a little scary even talking about it, to be really honest with you, because I was trying to think, gosh, if I, you know, I have to cover all the bases and make sure I talk about each point and make sure I talk about every kind of situation. And, and you know, I, I don't know that I'll be able to do that. I'm going to do the best I can to address at least some of the major uh, issues, questions, things that come up um, from 38 years of being a Christian, from what I know of the Bible, from what I know about God and his heart, and what I know about us and our culture and how we deal with things. Um, so, you know, the big question, you know, what do I do? So-and-so left the church, you know, or, or this group of friends all left or, or you know, and, and, you know, there's there's so many different factors floating around. And I'll tell you what we won't do is we're not going to give him any easy, pat answers. But a lot of times, you know, we, we, we're not sure what to do because there's different answers depending on the situation, right? What's the difference between, you know, what, what, why is it that sometimes Jesus says, leave the 99 and go to the hills and look for the one that wandered off? Sometimes that's the message, right? Go find that brother. Go find that sister and, and help them come back and be there with them and listen to them and help them. And clearly, that's biblical. Clearly, that's good. And I mean, we're all in the church today. We're all Christians. We're all disciples because somebody obeyed that call. Somebody went after us and helped us. And boy, you know, hopefully we're grateful for that person. And maybe even times since we became a Christian where we were struggling or wandering off or, 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 you know, about to leave and somebody pulled us back in and we thank God. I thank God that, uh, that I'm still here. You know, I mean, I, I almost walked away when I'd been a Christian a couple of years and I was ready to leave. I even announced to my roommates that I was leaving and, and they challenged me and talked me through it. And man, I thank God because I wouldn't have the hope that I have. I wouldn't have the life that I have. I wouldn't have the relationships I have 
had I walked away, you know, and thank God. And then there was times that were really difficult, you know, but thankfully somebody came after you. So there's time for that, right? So, but, but what about when times the Bible says have nothing to do with them? Whoa, talk about a contrast, you know, there's, there's times that the Bible is very clear about just have nothing to do with that person, you know, and I think sometimes we can naively be on one extreme or the other, think that everybody's just a matter of rescue when they're not, or think that everybody's, uh, you know, have nothing to do with them. They left the church when they're not with us anymore. And, and neither of those are a answer every situation answer, right? We know it's more complex than that. And then there's other times where we're called, um, where the Bible says, you who are spiritual should restore him gently in a spirit of gentleness, right? That, that the person who's wandered off, the person who's left, the person who's walked away, that somebody strong needs to get in there. Of course, there's a warning there about not being dragged into the same sin, you know, and staying strong. So there's these different situations that were different answers to how do we handle it when somebody we love walks away, when somebody we care about leaves and 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 the, the 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 obvious thing is that it depends on how and why someone left. It's not an easy answer. It's not a simple solution. There isn't just a quick fix. And and anybody who presents it that way is dangerously being sh- being shallow to a dangerous level because it it really does depend a lot on a, on a number of important factors. And that's why you have we have very different. Um, instructions in the scriptures you know whether it's it's reach out there and and save that person or it's have nothing to do with that person or it's roll up your sleeves and get in there and and you know work it out with that person help that person get through it it all depends on the situation so we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about how to distinct distinguish the different situations and and this is an answer that that there isn't no there isn't a one answer that fits everybody because it depends on who the person is to me and how well do I know them and and where am I at spiritually and am am I the the strong mature person that can help them or am I somebody that should just be praying for them? It depends on where they're at, you know. Are is are are they are they just weak and needing help? Are they are they in rebellion? Are they are they walking away from God or are they just searching for God somewhere else? You know, I mean, all these all these factors, all these issues make a difference on how I'm going to respond, how I should respond, because they made a difference in the scriptures. And and that's why we see the different responses and instructions on how to deal with these kind of a situation. The, but I, before we jump into that, I, I want to talk about this. There's, there's, there's something behind this that I think is important to, to at least acknowledge, at least to face and realize that these kind of situations are very traumatic. And the question is, why are they so traumatic? Why do they impact us so much? Why does this have such a huge impact on us? I think I, I think traumatic was misspelled there. But um, why do they impact us so much? Why are they so painful? You know, I mean, a lot of people in this in, in the region here went through a, a recent church split a couple of years ago. And that left a lot of us with scars and a lot of us pretty hurt. You know, I've seen that happen now you know, several times in, in my experience as a disciple. 
And, you know, being part of the San Diego church that's about 60 years old as a congregation, it's happened several times in the history of the church where, where an entire group of people left. And, oh my gosh, that was so painful. I've had roommates that just packed up and boom, disappeared on us. And, and man, that was painful. That was so hurtful. And, and working through all the feelings of that, um, and what that went through. So I, was, I just want to address that, um, uh, for a minute here, because I think it's important to understanding what to do. You know, what is the impact on us? In First Samuel eighteen one, we read about Jonathan and David's relationship, and and we read this scripture it says, after David had finished talking with Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and he loved him as his own. You know, this is a, a really powerful scripture. His soul was knit. Their souls were knit together. And he loved him as his own soul. You know, when when the, we in life, we, we all want to have friends, right? But every once in a while, we develop these deep, deep friendships. And and these deep, deep relationships. And, and, and those relationships, we connect at such a deep level in our lives. It has a huge impact on us. And, and and we feel, in a sense, we feel knitted to one another. The obvious times that happens, it happens in really good friendships. It happens in marriage, where two become one. It happens in the fellowship, where we become part of the band of brothers or the band of sisters. You know, where we're, we're the sisters of the traveling pants or the band of brothers who, who go through ups and downs together. We're the, you know, we're the team that God has given us and, 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 and our and our hearts get bonded to each other. Our hearts, our souls get knit to one another. Is what it, what it says, and and that knit creates a very deep, deep connection. So when that connection is torn, when that connection gets ripped apart, it's incredibly painful. It's incredibly hurtful. At the very least. It's really awkward, but at the very most, it can be devastating. It can be traumatic to go through something like that. Ask somebody who's gone through an ugly divorce. Ask somebody who was in the inner workings of a church split. Or if you've ever had a friendship, a best friend, and had a falling out, and they don't talk to each other for years or something. The depth of pain and hurt that can come out of that. And, and it happens in the same, you know, obviously in this very same situations. In strife, when two friends have a falling out. And people that were very close, people that shared hearts, that their souls were knit together. It, it, it happens in divorce when the two have become one. Well, you know, the this, this saying, what God has put together, let no man separate. It's so destructive. I've seen people who I love very much and I've painfully watched them go through a divorce and how destructive that divorce is. And, and it's the same dynamics that happen in somebody falling away. When you have a close friend, a roommate, or somebody in your Bible talk, or somebody in your ministry that 
you were close to, you cried together, you prayed together, you laughed together, you ate together, you you shared your heart, you shared your life, you shared your soul, and then they get up and walk away. And and it's painful, even if they fall into sin and leave, and it's even 10 times more painful if they leave and they're angry at you or angry at the church or angry at your spiritual family. And then, of course, in a church split, that's magnified by however many people leave. If it's 10 people who leave or 50 people leave or 100 people leave, oh my gosh, that's just tearing and tearing on all different levels. And it's, I mean, it's really intense. And it causes us to go through a lot emotionally. We go through a mourning, the loss of friendships, the loss of a com- of, of a camaraderie, the loss of a team, the loss of a dream. And we go through a grief, a sadness, and a hurt and a pain, and we have to we have to process all that. And a lot of times it's it's not just the person left, it's also the person who's leaving. And and so there's all this pain and there's and there's a general sadness. And sometimes there's even anger. There's anger. Why did you abandon us? We're all trying to fight this fight together. Why did that person leave? Or why did that group take off? And you add all that up together, and a lot of times we end up with a trauma about it. We end up with a deep pain. That just, it's hard to heal. And, and, and frankly, sometimes it can really damage our faith. It can cause us to be reluctant to love somebody again. To put ourselves out there to baptize somebody. I remember somebody, I really just poured my heart out, my heart and soul to help this person become a Christian. We became really good friends. And then one day he just walked out. And I felt hesitant to go and give my heart away again because I was afraid that was going to happen again. And and that can happen to any of us. You know, we get hurt a number of times and we just start pulling our hearts back. And we and our shields go up and we get on guard and we, we don't trust and we don't give freely anymore. And so it's really important to recognize that and, and to see that and to recognize when, when our hearts get pulled back because of it or we don't have the faith we used to have or we lose our childlikeness, you know, the just simple, hey, I believe and, and this is going to be great. And it's really easy even to get cynical because of things like this. Especially when you've been around a long time. This is the challenge of an older Christian. Is to not be cynical. To remain childlike. To remain faithful. To keep loving and loving. Even though some people walk away. Even though some people throw rocks at you. Even though some people hurt you. And that's the path of Jesus. That is following the way of the Lord. Because that happened to him. You know, one of the amazing things about Jesus' last supper, about the, the, the communion supper, was Judas was there. And I'm not saying that all people who walk away are Judas, but the trauma of that, somebody walking away from what you were all supposed to stick together with, it can be incredibly painful. 
or even if it's somebody who 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 just found the sin they weren't they weren't trying to hurt anybody they just walked away or they just wanted to go find a better church they liked a different place or they liked the way somebody else does church because we're not the only church in town we're not the only ones saved and somebody says you know what I like that group. They got a great children's ministry or, or I like the way that guy preaches or I like the music and the worship at that church. And of course, those who stay behind feel a sense of abandonment. Wait a second. We're a family. And in the same way that if, if one of our kids came home and said, Hey man, I'm moving in with a family down the street. They got a pool and I love swimming. How would the family take that? No, they would not take it well. It would be hurtful. I like that dad because he's good at sports. My dad's no good at sports. Or he's old, he's fat, or he's, he's, he's too unhealthy. He can't even go out and do stuff. With it. You know, I mean, we would feel, man, where's the loyalty? Where's the, where's the, hey, we're all in this together. We've been through fire and ice together. And we go through that. That's a very real part of the trauma and the sadness that we go through. When somebody leaves. Why? Because our souls were ripped apart. And that's painful. And unfortunately, it is part of Jesus' ministry. It happened to Jesus. Do we think we're going to have an easier time than Jesus? It happened to him. In 1 Corinthians 1, he says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, excuse me, that you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. This is really a very radical scripture. I know most of us probably read this scripture when we became Christians. We were given the charge to be people who are united. Why? Because that's what God wants. I mean, God is all about uniting people. God is all about bringing people together. We've been talking a lot about racial unity and political unity and social unity and not letting Satan divide us and separate us. But, I mean, he's always at work trying. And God is always at work trying to pull us together and keep us together and helping us to overcome all our divisions. I'm teaching a course right now on the New Testament. Every single one of Paul's letters deals with division. Because there was a huge rift in the early church between the Gentiles and the Jews who became Christians. And Paul, that's why there's so many scriptures about unity. That's why Paul appeals that there's neither Gentile nor Jew. There's not male nor female. There's not slave or free. Because there's always things that will divide us and separate us. And God hates division. He always pulling us together. And in chapter 1, verse of, of chapter 12, he says, So that there be, oh, excuse, I think I have that backwards on the sighting, but so that there be no divisions. This is chapter 1, verse 10, in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. God wants us to have equal concern for one another and that there be no divisions among us. None. That is a really challenging thing because we're so inclined towards division. Whether it's race, whether it's social standing, whether it's male, female, young, older. I mean, there's tons of things. 
but it but where we really feel it is when something divides us from somebody we love and are close to somebody walks away a group quits and leaves the bible calls us paul called the church in rome they were having a lot of problems between the gentiles and the jews that were christians he tells them live in harmony with one another live in harmony with one another you know you love we all love the sound of harmony you know when the, when the worship team is singing and they're harmonizing and it just makes that beautiful sound together they're different voices and yet they come together and they make this one beautiful sound the sound of harmony and it's what god calls us to 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 be in the in the church to live in harmony with mother but that that is incredibly challenging incredibly difficult and satan is always throwing things out there and of course he does it on a big scale if he can get a whole group to go wow huge victory but even if he can get one person to leave huge victory for satan because every soul is made in god's image but we knew it would happen Matthew 24, he says, And then many will fall, and this is Jesus talking, And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will increase, will be increased, the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Jesus knew this even when when he was before he was while he is setting up his church he knew that a lot of people would be leaving he knew that not everybody would stay faithful in fact the truth is sometimes Jesus said things just to weed out the crowd like in John 6 when he talks about about the you know anyone who wants to follow him must eat his blood eat his flesh and drink his blood knowing how disgusting that sounded knowing how a how repelling that seemed to all the Jews, how disgusting that seemed. I mean, Jews don't even eat meat with blood in it, let alone drink blood. And it says right there in John 6, and it's an easy one to remember because it's 666, that many from that time on no longer followed him. Many of his disciples, his disciples, stopped following him. And he even turned around and said to the apostles, do you guys want to leave too? And a lot of them did. After three years of preaching, how many how many people do you think Jesus spoke to? At least tens of thousands. But yet we read in Acts chapter 1 that there was 120 disciples when Jesus ended his ministry. 120 disciples. So a lot of people fell away. Way more than stayed faithful. Way more than stayed with him. Most of them left. But he had his 120. Paul said to, the, to Timothy, The Spirit clearly says that in latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. It's, it's going to happen. And there's going to be a lot of teachings out there floating around. Things taught by demons. You say, whoa, is this, are there demons actually out there teaching things? Yeah, there are. Well, how do we know 
what is right and what is true. I mean, especially you think about it in today's world, there's tons of opinions and ideas and thoughts and views and perspectives and more opinions and more opinions bouncing around about everything. And people are so passionate about these things. Well, how do we know what is right? Well, there are many things we don't know, way more than we do know. But what we do know is that God is right, that the Bible is true. And we can count on what the Bible says. Everything else is just opinion. But what the Bible teaches is the truth. What Jesus said, he said, I am the way and the truth. He's the truth. And we can count on that. But there'll be a lot of other things he warns us. He says, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know they breed quarrels. And there's so many controversies. It's It's almost like Paul said that for today, for our world right now. And what is his advice to us? Don't have anything to do with it. Don't sit there and watch a bunch of videos on this stuff. Don't fill your mind with YouTube comments and opinions and ideas. Don't watch, just don't have anything to do with it. Well, Robert, don't I need to stay informed on some things, but on other things, I don't need it. I need to be careful to guard and protect my heart and my mind. And not get caught up in things that cause quarrels. Not take the bait. There's a lot of bait out there. To drag us into foolish and ignorant controversies. He told Titus, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because... These are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful and they are self-condemned. Now there's that scripture. There's the one where it says have nothing to do with them. And that can seem pretty harsh. Like, Paul, why would you say that? I mean, isn't this a brother saying this or a sister saying this? Why, and this is the question, this is an important question. Why would Paul say have nothing to do with them when they are our brother? When even maybe our souls have been knit together and our hearts are bonded. Why would he say have nothing to do with them? And I know that sometimes in the past that was way too quick and way too easily thrown out there. Oh, just don't have anything to do with spiritual pornography. Don't talk to anybody. Don't listen to anybody. Da, 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 da. And that could be way overused, but there is a time for that. And that's important to recognize. We are called to protect our hearts and minds and not be drug into foolish controversies and not let that happen. Why am why, why I saying all this? Because this is what divides brothers. This is what separates sisters. And 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 particularly in our world right now. I truthfully I probably wouldn't spend all this time going over these scriptures in the past. It would have been more about doctrine or more about sin or something, but because this is our world right now. We're getting flooded with propaganda 
information, true, not true, false, fake, you name it. And it's getting increasingly difficult. I don't have a medical degree. I can't sort out all these opposing medical opinions and stuff. But what I do know is that I'm called to love my brothers and sisters, not anything come between me and them and be devoted to God's people. So what do we do? Well, the short answer, the easy answer, is love them. (laughs) What do we do when somebody leaves? Well, love them. You never stop loving them. You never stop. Never stop loving, right? John 13 says we should be known for our love, right? Matthew 5 says love your enemies. And if we're to go out and love our enemies, then surely we can love somebody who's walked away for whatever reason. Whether they walked away because they're looking for a different church, or they walked away because they were hurt, or they walked away because they're angry, or they walked away because because they're bitter at their, whatever reason, we, we, we still love, right? We still go out and remember the prodigal son and, and remember the lost sheep and remember the lost coin. Love never stops. God never stops loving us. No matter how ugly we get sometimes, no matter how confused we get sometimes, no matter how stupid we get sometimes, God still loves us. So we never stop loving. Now, It's important that we don't confuse love and friendship. Jesus made it very clear. Who were his friends? Who was his circle? Who was his family? He made that very clear. That doesn't mean he didn't love the people that were not in this circle. He said, who is my brother, my mother, my sister? Whoever does God's will. That's how he saw things. But what about people who don't do God's will? Did Jesus stop loving them? No, he still loved them. But he recognized that they're in a different category. So just because somebody walks away doesn't mean we stop loving them. We still love them. We may not be in the same relationship. When a husband and wife get a divorce, their relationship changes dramatically. Because they're no longer married to one another. When somebody walks away from the church, the relationship changes dramatically because we're no longer in that bond. We're no longer in the same family anymore. We're no longer in the same tribe anymore. So, well, what about people who just go join another church? I don't know. It depends on them. And it depends on where they're at. And it depends on how they're living. I don't know. I know how the people in my church are living and practicing. And I'll love everybody, whether they go to my church or not. What does the Bible tell us? Well, the obvious thing was we can pray for each other, right? I mean, Sermon on the Mount tells us you pray for our enemies. If we can pray for our enemies, we can pray for our friends, right? And there's so many scripture about, so much scripture about praying for each other and not judging one another. Matthew 7, same thing, Sermon on the Mount. Boy, it's amazing how many of these he addresses in Sermon on the Mount, but Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about not judging things before the appointed time. You know, I always, I hope, you know, when, when we're quick to judge, we condemn each other, we label each other, and a lot of damage can be done to that. And that doesn't mean that we don't need to have good judgment sometimes. Because Paul also talks about us having good judgment. 
And he says, we're not to judge those outside the church, but in the church, we are to have good judgment. We are to judge situations in the church. But be careful, careful, careful how we judge. And don't condemn. (laughs) That's the problem with judgment. Because we don't know who's going to turn around. I've seen people where somebody's really against the church and the spouse is really for the church. Ten years later, it's the reverse. The one that was against the church is now in the church, loving the church. And the one that was in the church is now against the church, outside the church. It ain't over till it's over. And that's what we know. So don't judge. And even the people who, the people who leave angry at the church or bitter at our church, they can change. And so can our church. Our church can change and they can change. Everything can change. So be careful. And I, and I always keep in mind, I, I pray that anybody who leaves, no matter what their reason, that the door will remain open for them to come back and to be part of our family again. And so I try really hard to make sure we don't say anything or do anything that locks the door shut. Now, the, 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 uh, I will tell you this. This is the, the usual thing that happens is somebody leaves and they say, no, I'm going to be on good terms. We'll be fine. And then they go and then they talk to people in the church. And of course, they've got a people who are like, why would you leave? And they've got to have a reason. So they, well, I got hurt or this or that, or they point out to all the faults in the church. And are there faults? There's always faults in the church and the church will always make mistakes. And it's going to make more mistakes in the future. Why? Because it's full of people. And, and somehow that dynamic changes. I remember I was talking to somebody who left the church not that long ago and they said, no, we're going to leave. It's going to be, you know, we're going to be on good terms. We're just going to do something different. And I told them, I said, I just, I hope that. So I really do because I want you to have an open door to come back at any time. But what I'm scared is that people are going to question you and you're going to feel like you have to attack the church in order to justify your reason for leaving. And I've seen that happen again and again and again. The next thing I know is I'm hearing they're just spewing out all kinds of negativity. And every moment they were in the church before, it was a horrible moment and it was a horrible part of their life. And I remember that same person talking about how blessed they were to be in the church, telling their story of glory and, and how great it was and what fantastic. But now they've got these dark colored sunglasses on and all they remember is the bad and the negative because they have to justify leaving. And that's a sad thing. But if we can refrain from either condemning them for that or buying into that and just stay devoted to God. And hopefully the door stays open. But at some point, when we hear a lot of negativity, we have to protect our own hearts and remove ourselves from it. And that's the other thing is protect your heart. Protect the flock. Sometimes people do get ugly and mean. And that is a tragedy. And that is really sad because we are family. (laughs) We're family. And, you know, if you've ever had a family member who attacks the family, that can get really painful really fast. So, obviously, you know, just talking about this, we see that it's not an easy thing. It's a difficult thing. It's a challenging thing. You know, what do I do? Well, it all depends on what's happening. What is the context? What is the situation? Love, 
should always be there. Friendship, that depends on what's happening. If the person is hurting the flock, hurting my heart, hurting my faith, then no, there's not going to be a friendship there. And I'm not supposed to have a friendship there. That's where the Bible's very clear of having nothing to do with that kind of a situation, or even that person who's spewing out venom and negativity. I have to guard my heart not to judge neither the person nor the per- the people the person talks about, nor the church, Jesus' bride. It's Jesus' church. And this mean I don't recognize the truth. Yeah, I see. I mean, let me tell you something. I, I can tell you more about the church's weakness, faults, and mistakes than probably just about anybody. Because I've been in it so long, and I have carefully studied out the church. But I also know that even the churches in the New Testament led by apostles, were full of problems and had lots of people leaving them and persecuting the church. And sometimes it was weakness, they fell into sin. Sometimes it was false doctrines, they wanted to do their own thing and start a new church. Sometimes it was in anger and bitterness. And sometimes it's not even anger. It's just hurt. Somebody got hurt and they walked away. And I hope that the door could stay open so that our relationship can remain. But it takes a lot of wisdom to be able to discern which situation is this. What do I need to do? How do I need to handle this? And there isn't one blanket answer that fits everybody. I know that a lot of us in this church we're really hurt by the split that happened a few years ago. And we have good friends on the other side of the fence now. And it's it's difficult. And I'm not saying... And, and, and we can't just pretend it didn't happen. Sometimes people say, well, well can't we just all get together and hang out? And have a good... Any more than a husband and wife who get a divorce can just hang out and have fun. Because there's been a lot of hurt. Probably things have been said. There's a lot of wounds And that's, unfortunately, the victory of Satan. And we can't just pretend it's not there. But we can do is love and pray for each other. We can do that. With the hope that maybe we'll be able to restore that relationship. I pray that. I hope that. And we got a lot of groups out there. We've got the recent split. We've got the split that happened 10 years ago. We've got... You know, there's, there's there's people that walk away, and I always pray that someday Jesus' prayer will be fulfilled, that we'll all be one. But I'm not naive, and I'm not, I'm not going to play dumb. I'm not going to stick my head in the sand and pretend that everybody's okay and everything's all right. There are reasons why Paul told Timothy have nothing to do with those people. Because there are some people that will actually hurt my heart and hurt my soul. And I got to be careful or hurt the heart and soul of the church. And I've got to protect the church. That doesn't mean I stop loving them, though. And that's really important. Even in protecting the church, we don't stop loving. But we don't play games either. We know we recognize evil. We recognize danger. We recognize pain. And we say, that's what it is. Not going to have that. Not going to listen to that. Not going to be part of that. 
I'm going to protect my heart and so on. There's more to say and there's more to talk about. We'll do that in the second class, but this is probably enough for tonight at least. If you want to have something to share in our small groups, maybe we can share about how we can love each other and build the relationship that we resolve differences, that we ask questions, and how do we how do we make sure that we stay close to each other and let nothing divide us, not hurts, not mistakes, not feelings, not attitudes, not dumb things, not smart things, nothing divide us. What can we do to make sure we stay united in Jesus? God bless you. See you at the next class. Buen camino. You've just listened to the Metro LA podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com 